0: How do you live for the Lord and his glory in a culture that is moving in a direction in many respects opposite of God's will and design? For example, who do you trust? Sexuality and marriage in our culture, not limited to our culture, but in our culture seems to be in a lot of turmoil. Abortion. Abortion. End of life issues seem to be okay. Take life at the beginning, take life at the end. Consequences for crime, who's responsible many times, no one. These items are not new. Israel lived in a very different culture than the people of the promised land. Peter's here is recalled to a lifestyle much different than their culture. Peter reminds his hearers of their identity in Christ as he exhorts them to live as aliens and strangers. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter writing to those who are facing some persecution, not from the government, but from people in their world of influence, whether it be a neighbor, a boss, or a family member. And is encouraging them who they are in Christ. Encourages them how to live and to respond. And in verse 11 of 1 Peter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrong or doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. As I have stated repeatedly, Peter emphasizes the being, the resources that believers have in Christ, if you please, the foundation of God's elect. Then he explains the doing, the building, the living, because Daily living is dependent upon our identity and who we are in Christ. The foundation was presented very clearly in chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Chapters 2, verses 4 and 5. Chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And then he talks about building, how to live. In chapter 1, 13 through chapter 2 and verse 3. And also chapter 2, 11 through chapter 4. And verse 11. And again, I emphasize that the foundation, the nature of the new life, Christ in us, who we are in our being, is foundational for how we live. We live according to our being. Peter is encouraging them to have commendable social behavior as God's people, in chapter 2, 11 through chapter 3, and verse 7. He talks about the inner qualities of life in chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And then he talks about responding to unjust suffering as one lives for Christ, in chapter 3, 13 through chapter 4, and verse 11. Peter explained to his readers their identity as God's people. Now he addresses and presses the point of how to live and right relationship with unbelievers in a pagan society. And think about our own modern society. It's becoming much, much less quote-unquote religious. And there are many things that are happening in our culture that we would say would not be good. How do you live well? And living in that type of culture whether in Peter's day or our culture today keep in mind that allegiance to god in christ does not exempt them in peter's day or us today from submitting to pagan authority even though peter's hearers were facing some difficulty that did not relieve them from submitting to the authority of that day. Nor, or rather they were to keep in mind that their identity as God's holy people would prepare them for suffering unjustly and without retaliation when they held convictions and values as followers of Jesus Christ. Now whether in Peter's day or our culture today, there's a tendency to go in one of two directions. One of the directions is to lash out and verbalize and do a host of other things to try to bring about change. The other direction is to kind of withdraw, like a turtle, into the shell and just not live well at all, bend to the norms of. Culture. Peter is encouraging good behavior in chapter 2, 11 through chapter 3, and verse 7. And as we think about living, he addresses them in chapter 1 and verse 1 as God's elect, but strangers in the world. But living as strangers in the world, as God's elect. Still involves relationships. Life is all to be holy. Life is all to be sacred. There is no sacred secular divide as so often we face today. You live one way on Sunday morning for an hour, but you live a different way on the job or at home. Life is a unit to be lived out in dependency upon Christ. In verse 11, he talks about who he is writing to. He says, "Dear friends, I urge[s] aliens and strangers." The dear friends, we can read, beloved. The Greek word being used is a Greek form of agape, God's style of love, unconditional giving, unconditional commitment. It implies a relationship of Peter and those to whom he is writing of love, of deep concern. And Peter shares truth with them. Dear friends, beloved, those to whom I'm committed with God's style of love, and then he calls them aliens. An alien is a temporary resident. One that's not at home in verse 17 Of chapter 1, Peter said, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your life as strangers here in reverent fear. He also says, I'm writing to you as strangers residing in a country not one's own. Writing to people who lived in Roman rule but yet aliens, and strangers. And that seems to tie in with Genesis 23 and verse 4. You don't need to turn there, but in Genesis 23 and verse 4, Abraham is in what was called the promised land. And verse 4 says, as he responds to the Hittites, when his wife died, I'm an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here so I can bury my dead. Seems to be appealing back to Abraham. And that ties in with the fact that Peter's hearers and us today are aliens and strangers. But we are in a long line of tradition of people who are aliens and strangers. Estrangement from and rejection by society was not new to the people in Peter's day. It's not new to us today. The story of redemption tells of God forming his chosen people by calling Abraham to be a resident, alien, and foreigner in a strange land. And the same is true of Peter's hearers. You're beloved but you're aliens and strangers. Stop and think about how we view ourselves makes a difference in how we live and respond. For example, you go to another country. No, you tend to live more out of a suitcase. You're thinking, I'm going to go home after a while. You go to see the sights, but your roots are not put down because You're there temporarily. When you go to the doctor, do you see yourself as a doctor or do you see yourself as a patient? If you go seeing yourself as a doctor, you may as well not go. How you see yourself makes a difference in how you respond. You go to the bank to take out a loan. Do you see yourself as the one taking out the loan or do you see yourself as a bank? See, how we live and how we view ourselves deeply influences how we live. And Peter says, you're beloved, you're aliens, you're strangers. Do we live as a citizen of the world? Did Peter's hearers live as a citizen of the world? Was there a degree of uncomfort for them as there is a degree of uncomfort for us? So he's writing to aliens and strangers. And notice what he says. I urge you. The idea of urge is admonishing, persuading, encouraging to action. I'm urging you to do what? To abstain from sinful desires. Which war against your soul. That's a put off and put on live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The put off, abstain from sinful desires, which war against the soul. The put on is good lives and good deeds. They're going through difficulty. They're aliens and strangers, but yet, they were to put off evil desires, put on good lives and good deeds. Abstain from sinful desires. The idea of sinful is pertaining to the body, desires are irregular, covetousness. And in chapter 2 and verse 1, some of those desires would be listed. Read yourself of malice. Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And he says these sinful desires war against the soul. Now I want you to notice something in the context. The desires may be present in life whether it be Peter's here or us today, but you can choose to resist the desire. He says, abstain from them. Don't give in to them. They're present, but they're not to be fed. They're not to be satisfied in any manner. For example, a sexual desire is fed by turning to pornography. A food desire is fed by going to the cupboard. And I'm talking a food desire is more than you need. Often we don't need more teaching and more learning, but guidance of correction and training in righteousness. Abstain from. These people would have been tempted to lash out on those who are persecuting them. Speak bitter words, harsh words towards a neighbor. To choose to complain against the owner who is beating them unjustly. Peter says, abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Desires which battle. The idea is military action. It's a present tense. Desires battling against the soul, the immaterial. It ties in with the will, the mind, and the emotions. Peter's hearers were in a battle. Things warred against their soul. But he says, abstain. And again, this is in the context of pressure from neighbors, from slave owners, from family members. Practically speaking, the sinful desires are present. They're part of daily living, whether Peter's hearers or us today. The fact that they're present doesn't mean a believer must respond to them and give in to them. Sinful desires are normal as we live as aliens and strangers. They are not sin. They become sin when one yields to them. I've heard over and over again over the years, what's wrong with me? I'm tempted again. And again. And again. And again. There's nothing wrong with you. That's life. Peter's hearers were tempted again. And again. And again. Sinful desires that war against the soul. But Peter said, abstain. Don't give in. Don't feed them. Then he says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live a pattern of life 24 7, good lives a good disposition, that which is profitable, that which is helpful. But though they accuse you of doing wrong. Now get this picture. Peter's hearers are being accused of doing wrong, but they're living in obedience to God. And some of what they would have been accused of doing wrong would have been disloyal, To the state or to Caesar. Because they would have acknowledged God as Lord. They were being accused of being disloyal to the state, to Caesar. Upsetting trade. Why were they accused of upsetting trade? Because they were not loyal to the state or loyal to the Caesar. That's at least what they're being accused of. And that affects trade. They're being accused of teaching slaves are free. They taught believers that they're free in Christ, which he mentions later on in chapter 2. But now they're accused of teaching slaves not to obey their masters. They're being accused of not participating in festivals. Well, you don't participate in our festivals. What's wrong with you? And that would have been a fair accusation. Holding antisocial. Social values. Say, what do you mean? Holding anti social values. Some of their relationships within marriage, as Peter encourages in chapter 3, would have been misinterpreted. They were being accused of, well, you don't accept our societal values. They were being accused of being atheists because they had no idols. People in that day had idols. The believers didn't have idols, so they were accused of being atheist. And that's kind of a distorted term, as we would view it today. But those are some things that would have been against them. Now think about our day. Some things that we may be accused of as we seek to live for God's glory in our culture. We may be accused of being homo, against homosexuality or gay marriage just because you may take a stand on here's what God defines marriage. may be accused of seeking to control government and change it just because you acknowledge someone higher than government or because you may gently say something about it. There may be an accusation as being against abortion. You say, what other accusation is there? The accusation is, in a vindictive way, directed at believers. There may be the accusation of being against other religions because we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Living in a culture that is resistant to God at least to some extent, not totally, can create some accusations. And Peter doesn't tell them to go on an attack. <clears throat> but rather, he says, live such good lives among the pagans. But though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the, the day he visits us. Now let's go back to Peter's day. Being accused of being disloyal to the state, to, the, to Caesar. How would the hearers of Peter live well? Praying for the leaders? Don't speak evil of them. Obey them. Just go on with life. Praying for them. Not speaking evil. And obeying. Good deeds. Good deeds. teaching that slaves are free. Obey your master with respect, except on just beatings with grace. So a slave is being beat on justly. How do you live well? Accept it with grace. Peter talks about that. Later on, being an atheist due to no idols. Apply chapter 1, 13, and 14. Be self controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be given you. Don't conform to evil desires. Rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. So, someone is accusing. Peter's hearers, and those making the accusation. Someday thinking, the people we accused didn't respond with bitterness. There was no hypocrisy. They just continued to live well. They didn't pursue slander. Just living well. Don't react. Don't get on a bandwagon. Don't attack. But on the other hand, don't withdraw and not live out your faith. Peter says, live good lives. They see your good deeds. Think about that in our culture today we may be accused of quote unquote being against homosexuals being against gay marriage and so on we don't need to get on the defensive about befriend homosexuals about helping those with AIDS about building relationships with those that may have a different view of marriage don't attack but don't step back and bend to where they are. Good deeds. This goes back a few years ago before some of the drugs for AIDS came out. A church in Detroit was criticized strongly in the press and even nationwide of having a mindset against those who were homosexual. Bitterly criticized, bitterly maligned and what did that church do? They spent time with those dying of AIDS. They built relationships with those who were homosexual. They didn't attack, they didn't change their view. They still maintained a biblical view of sexuality, but had good deeds. Another example from today. Seeking to control government, change government. Well, you believers got to have it your way. Good deeds. Pray for leaders. No cutting words, but building words. Just continue to live well. Good deeds. You're against choice by women. <clears throat> You're against abortion. Good deeds. Help a ministry such as Pathways. Care for mothers. Adopt relationships with doctors and those who have had an abortion. Good deeds. Don't attack. Don't change your view. Live biblically. For God's glory. The phrase at the end of verse 12. On the day he visits us. Is paralleled elsewhere in the New Testament. But only in Luke 19 44. Where time of year visitation is mentioned. Referring to the incarnation of God in Christ. Here in 1 Peter 2 and verse 12 phrase probably refers to the return of Christ when God visits the earth again as he did in the incarnation. In the Old Testament, God's visitation is used to refer to God's intervention, either with grace for God's people. Genesis 50, Exodus 3 as some examples or with wrath on the unrepentant. Isaiah 23 or Jeremiah 6. Generally, the visitation of God referred to elsewhere in Scripture is of a corporate, not individual nature. And that seems to be true here in Peter also. So whether it be Peter's hearers or us today, we live in a culture that is not always friendly. But we recognize we live as beloved, as aliens, as strangers. And as we live with some resistance, we abstain from sinful desires. An example. A number of years ago. Talking to a guy, and he just went on and on about how terrible the government was. And mentioning politicians by name. And I thought the guy's going to have a heart attack. Claimed to be a believer. He didn't abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because he went on the tack. There was a bitterness, there was a malice, there was a slander. Peter says abstain from that. Don't lash out. But on the other hand, don't withdraw and change biblical thinking to that which is not biblical. Just live good lives. And remember, how Peter's hearers listened or lived in that day and how we live today, some of that may not be seen until the day God is glorified, or glor- when God returns and visits us. Don't always look for the immediate. It says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's future. As God's children, we live as aliens and strangers. As a united local church, we live as aliens and strangers. Are we known for good deeds that create Thirst? according to chapter 3 and verse 15, as we live as aliens and strangers. With those thoughts in mind, let's sing together, recognizing that as we sing lonely voices, that there are many in our world of influence that are lonely, they're struggling, they're hurting, and we have the message of Christ. And that's why we list schools and places of employment In the front of our bulletin the first Sunday of the month. Singing together, Travis.